Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Florida State sports fans? Welcome back to the North Sports Podcast. A special episode today. Kurt Weiler, Carter Giles of the Tallahassee Democrat, joined by new FCU baseball coach, Link Jarrett. Link, we, we appreciate you joining us. How's it going? Ellis, it's going great. Thank you for allowing me to participate in this. It's going good. A lot of moving pieces, obviously, but, but exciting for everybody and uh, adrenaline-rich. If you say adrenaline-rich, I mean... Has has it even hit you yet? I know how nonstop it's been the uh, the back and forth, the all over the place you've kind of had to do with job stuff, with personal life stuff. Has it hit you? And I guess how has the job, the first few weeks, first week and a half on the job, been for you? Oh, it's hit me. Um, <laughs> you know, the initial weekend of of flying down there, and Michael Alford was gracious enough to have a a flight for my wife and daughter and myself. My son um, met us down there. Uh, but we flew from South Bend to Tallahassee, and I was only home from Omaha for a day. So that that was great. And when I got off the plane, it really sank in as to what was happening. Um, Monday, the way they handled the arrival for my family, the press conference, the number of people at the press conference, the, the questions that were asked. Uh, it, it sank in at that point, um, and I do recognize, you know, the historical significance of FSU baseball. On top of that, I'm charged with trying to get the program to, you know, a point that we have not achieved, and that's my focus. And the work on the field, I, I caught some things, like as I had a chance to adjust and put my stamp on what was going on in the field so the facility staff has been great in trying to maybe adapt some things to what I felt needed to be done there you know the recruiting and the transfer portal and you know the current team and the draft is right around the corner so it sank in that first weekend I was there and you know at the press conference probably the the pinnacle of the newness of this and, guys, I have had to pivot right into trying to get things organized at the field and redo some things in the office and solidify the staffing. And I'm bringing elite people, um, you know, and some of them are candidates for, for other jobs and head coaching jobs. So that's why it has moved a little slowly. But that's okay. I mean, that's part of what happens when people have had a lot of success in the business like it's they have options so out of respect to them i'm working through that that's a huge part of it and you know seeing what happens with the draft with some of the guys on the team now and and also some of the incoming players there the draft in baseball is later than it used to be it, it really makes things more difficult on us as college coaches because these decisions that used to happen in early june they happen in late july and that's, that's different. So the layers of management right now is extreme, but Chip's helped me. Courtney Caswell, Nikki Bedgood, 
They are helping me acclimate Jason Dennard, our administrator within the athletic department. These people are guiding me through what is ultimately um, a huge challenge in trying to transition. It's big. Link, one one thing you said in your press conference was, you know, you you did envision this. You did envision being the head baseball coach for Florida State. And I just wonder, how long did you always have it in mind that you were working toward this? Even when you took the Notre Dame job, was this always something in mind that you wanted to build toward? Or did this kind of just happen for you in a way that, you know, uh, maybe you didn't really think about too much because you wanted to be more in the moment? Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't think about this happening professionally. Like I didn't. I, I, it's, it's a tricky explanation, but when you're playing college baseball and you think you want to coach, the first thing that resonates is what would it be like to be the coach at the school you're playing at? Like that's, that's all you know. So I think it started there. And then as you age in this business and move around a little bit, there's still that initial thought as you're playing and then, you know, playing professional baseball and sensing that this may pivot to coaching one day, your natural gravitation is to the place that you spent the most time. So that's, that's where I was mentally. And I probably did a poor job of explaining that initially, but it's, that's what you envision. And I think somebody that plays at the university of Texas or the university of Georgia if they want to get into coaching, you almost have to imagine what it would be like to coach there. So that's where it started. Did I actually think that this was going to move in this direction for me? Not really. You just you don't you don't know. So it did, um, and here we are. But when you ask that, my initial thought was more based on. This is what I knew when I entered the business because I spent really five years when you look at playing in the one year I coached. I knew more about it and was probably projecting in my mind what would it be like if I was the coach there because that's what I, I knew. I didn't, you know, then you, as you move along, you think, what would it be like to be the coach at University X or University Y or Z? But the initial evolution of what you're thinking naturally starts at the place you spent the most time. So that's how I landed at that explanation. And to think that it ended here, like I, I can't say that I ever saw that coming, but it happened. Uh, Link, going, going way back, I mean, obviously being a Tallahassee native, growing up around this program, do you have an earliest memory or an earliest few memories of FSU baseball? Were you the, the kid who wanted to be at as many games as your parents would let you go to? I did. I went to a lot of the games. Um, I'll tell you what I remember more than anything else is camp at Levy Park. I, Doug Treadway and, geez, I, I'm going to miss some of the names. But those coaches that were that were players at the time, my mom would drop me off out there, I don't know how many weeks, and 11 was out there, and the snow cone truck would pull up, and we'd have hamburgers at lunchtime. And, like, I still remember that probably 
more than any of the games I went to when I was young. So, I, you know, just being around those players, I, I think I learned something about how important the camp is for the 8, 9, 10, 11-year-olds when they're banging around out there. It's pretty impactful. And um, I, I loved it. And I learned the game, and those guys still remembered me. It's crazy. Like, I was talking to Treadway the other day. They still remember me when I was like eight or nine. So it's just funny. Um, but I do remember that. And then as you get older, you went to the camps when you're a high schooler. And I, I wasn't recruited heavily by, by anybody. Mercer, West Florida were giving me a chance. And I knocked around at the camps at FSU as a high school player and um, had, finally had a chance. But gosh, those little camps out there at Levy Park – just amazing like to think back as sitting there eating a hamburger and trying to figure out if the snow cone guy was going to make it before my mom came and was the line going to be too long or were we going to have a sliding contest or king of the infield it just that's what i remember kind of crazy thank you you told me a story a couple months back when we were talking before the florida state game when you guys came here and you told me a story about how and you just kind of alluded to it, the recruiting process, you know, you weren't getting looked by a lot of a lot of different schools. And I think Florida State came in at the last second because they had a couple guys drafted. Could, could you just share that story again? Because that, that was kind of crazy to think about just considering the success you had at Florida State. It wasn't like yeah. you were just some random guy there. I mean, you went on to be an All-American. So for that to happen, it was just really stood out to me. Well... Uh, I was from Tallahassee, so I would play against Mike Jr. Like, we played against each other in high school, and then we would actually play on, you know, the occasional all-star team together. And my guess is, you know, 11 was there some, not all the time. Like, no baseball dad can go to all the events for their, for their kid, but he was there. And I think probably junior and 11 just a combination of seeing me a lot um put me in a position to be an option if things went haywire in recruiting now whether we like it or not when you're talking to ninth graders and 10th graders and eighth graders and that's a little crazy to try to project it but the later it gets in a high school career, I think the more accurate picture you have of what that player could do if they were on your campus, in my case, in two months. So Mercer, West Florida, and this was back in the days, there wasn't video that just was floating around of your at-bats and running the 60-yard bat. Like Somebody physically almost had to come watch you play, and that's hard. Um, but they did. And 11 naturally did. Was I good enough to play at Florida State? Um, Probably not. But you have to have a chance. Somebody's got to give you a shot. And a couple of the guys were drafted off the team. I don't think 11 ever carried a huge roster. So there was room for as minimal a scholarship as somebody could get, like books or something like that. And... um, you know, my visit revolved around them basically telling me just hang in there because 
it doesn't look like you're going to get much of a chance to play. Now, we're happy to have you on the team, and you go out there and compete, but we're not painting a picture here that is promising for you to play here. But they had a need, and I think in their mind, hey, this guy can go out there and play infield at practice and scrimmage, and if something happens from there, so be it. If not, then we'll figure it out down the road. So I was excited about that. That's what I wanted to do, and I got my shot. And um, I, I remember sitting in Eleven's office with my parents and, and Eleven, and Chip came down to Florida High like a couple days later and signed me to some little scholarship, and off I went. And um, I think then Eleven saw that I did understand the game he probably knew that coming in, but he saw that I understood what was going on and that if he asked me to do something on the field or at the plate, I I could handle the system that he had in place. So the trust factor grew quickly for me in that first fall, and um, I think at shortstop, the trust factor, and if they hit the ball in that general vicinity, are you going to pick it up and are you going to throw it to first base? for an out that's what he trusted and it just simply started with that understandably uh mike martin senior 11 has been a a big part of this conversation you got both the chance to i know play for him and then coach under him for one year as an assistant what what are would you say is the the biggest thing or the things you've learned about coaching from your time with him every day he was competitive he was competitive at practice he was competitive in game post-game, um, he put us in position to win. And I, I will revert back to the trust factor. I wasn't the most talented guy, but when he trusted your skill level and ability to execute, that went a long way. So it, it sometimes wasn't a who's the most talented guy. It's who can do the things I know help us win. So he put us in position to win. And then I did respect and appreciate his care for people, care for people that touch the program, um, fans, us as assistant coaches. It was remarkable to me how, how much time he took to spend with people. And I would just go in his office and just sit years later when I was playing pro ball, I knew I wanted to coach and I would just, I just go in there and talk to him. And it was remarkable how much time he would spend talking baseball with me and coaching. Um, So those three things, man, the competitiveness, putting the team in position to win personnel-wise, and then his treatment of those around him. Learned a lot. You know, uh, looking back, 2003, I believe that was the last year – you guys played Florida in a in a weekend series format. Ever since 2004, it's been a bunch of midweek games uh, each season. Um, is that something that I mean? We talked to Mike Martin Jr. about this, you know, in the spring, and and he talked about how he really thinks there's a benefit from that weekend series format with you know the bigger crowd and 
the bigger draw. Is that something that you'd want to have back, uh, that you'd want to work toward having back uh, against Florida, having some, some sort of weekend series with them? I think back Good in the day. Question. Yeah, yeah. I think back in the day is Thursday through Sunday. Y'all do two here, two there. Yeah. Um, hadn't thought about that, to be honest with you. I, I will say from a scheduling standpoint, um, the excitement of a three-game series with them would be through the roof, no doubt. Um, I am now on my third head coaching job, and the scheduling template you deal with is a little different everywhere you go. So – I think the natural answer from what I've experienced is simply this. If you play regional-type teams in weekend series, you start to diminish the opportunities you have to play regional teams in your midweek games. So, like, we could play Gainesville on a Tuesday night, and it's still going to be a great crowd. We can play UCF on a Tuesday night. Good crowd. We can play Mercer, Florida Gulf Coast, JU, UNF, Troy. I think you have some some regional teams that naturally belong as your midweek games because if you use them for weekend series, it's hard to find people that are able to play the Tuesday or Wednesday night games in the middle of the week because their travel becomes too extensive. So naturally that's my gut reaction because whenever you play Florida, it's going to be good. Now it's not going to be three game series, like probably good crowd wise, but it, it makes something else sacrifice the convenience of who's regional for you to play in the middle of the week. And I'm, I'm trying to grasp that right now. I obviously have been one week into trying to schedule. So, <laughs> I, I haven't landed there yet, um, but I understand the logic of what you're asking me 100%. Um, just as a matter of execution, that is normally why the regional teams are more midweek. Uh, we may not have time to kind of get into uh, all five of your key areas. I know you talked about those in the press conference. I'll say they're, they're what, evaluating talent, recruiting player development, program development, and game management. It feels like an overarching thing with a number of those is is relationships, though. And obviously that's been something for you in your first bit on the job has been, I'm sure, in a number of ways, the most important thing. How, how do you approach, I mean, the way you build relationships both with recruits? I know you sent a, a message to kind of the players who committed to the previous staff in your press conference and with the current players. Obviously that's been interesting. I know a number of them are off playing summer ball right now. Yeah, well, they need to understand that the goals of the program remain the same. Like, I, I don't think I'm changing any goal with the program. And part of the initial wave of messaging was, please trust that I'm going to do what's best for Florida State baseball. And I recognize how hard meet and Metcalf and Jimmy worked on the recruiting. Like there are really good players and there's a lot of them because right now we're dealing with obviously some of the guys on our own team, the draft guys, transfers, grad transfers, the incoming freshmen, the 23 class, the 24 class and the 25 class. So right now with no assistant coaches, that's 
how many different age groups you are dealing with. So I just wanted those players and families to understand that trust what we're doing, trust us, trust that you made the decision to come to Florida State for a lot of reasons. And if it's a different coaching staff, please trust that we still have the best interest of the student athlete at heart as we fight to make Florida State baseball the best that it can be. I'm not trying to redo all the recruiting that they've done. I, I'm, I want to have those same commitments as the time goes on and I get some assistant coaches onboarded. We will try to go see those players. But everybody here worked very, very hard to sign and commit these players. And they came here. Part of it is clearly, part of it is a relationship with that staff. But there's also a part of it that is Florida State the historical significance of the program and the goals of the program, the geography of where we play, the conference we're in, the non-conference people we play. So there's more, and I just wanted them to trust that. And I think if there's anything I have going for me, it's that people have trusted the way I've run my programs, and that's why I'm talking to you guys as the head coach of Florida State. So. I needed those guys to trust it. I need our current players to trust and give us a chance to get into this and, and show what this is about. Link, when you looked at the roster, I don't know if, if you watched a lot of games from last season, just all the kind of pouring in you did to just kind of assessing uh, where everything is at right now. What, what were kind of the biggest takeaways? What did you like? Uh, what, what were the things that kind of stood out to you the most? I thought there was some horsepower on the mound. Um, clearly, they all will not be back. I mean, I, I don't know with Messick draft-wise what happens there. There's some, some other guys that are candidates. I liked the arms. I thought it was one of the best pitching staffs we saw this year. I, I know Tennessee, they also had some horses. Um, I thought Florida State's bullpen depth was probably better than Tennessee's. Um, you know, and whatever our pitching stats in the ACC at Notre Dame, maybe we were the best statistical team. I, I don't know. Um, but the octane, the horsepower on the mound that I saw in the four games I watched, I, we played Florida State four times. That's what I watched. I didn't want, I haven't been able to go back and watch the, anything else yet. But I recognized the dynamic nature of the, the pitching staff. Um defensively I, I kind of go in that order like what does the pitching feel like to me what did it look like positionally um you know and I thought they needed more defensive support uh, overall now how do we player development that or is that evaluation recruitment uh we will see but I think we need to be better defensively uh maybe a little rangier and that supports the pitching staff wholeheartedly. Those those two pieces work together and essentially keep you in every game. If your guys are dynamic on the mound and throw strikes and your defense is athletic and sound, you're going to be in 95% of the games that you play. Now, offensively, how do those athletes that are on the field mesh into some sort of offensive variety and weaponry um that's again until i get my hands on it and see it 
in person, I, I don't know. Like, can we run the bases well enough for base running and base stealing to be a weapon? Is there enough power for the power to play with extra base hits and home runs? That needs to be a factor. Do we have enough feel for the bunning game and the short game to have that as a weapon? Because if you're going to beat the people you have to beat, you can't like pigeonhole your offensive philosophy into just one area because it may take plan B or C to win a regional, super regional game. So it's great to get on base. It's great to hit home runs, but you can't hope that your favorite offensive concept is the one that wins all your games because it doesn't. So that athleticism on the field creates some variety offensively. So what I saw Mound stuff, pitching staff, I thought it was impressive. I couldn't quite gauge where the other parts of the game were um, in the four games we played. Now, fielding percentage and whatnot, you can look at the stats, but that that metric sometimes can skew you because if your outfielders are running balls down and going up on the wall and robbing home runs and infielders are turning double plays, sometimes that doesn't show up in a fielding percentage metric. That's a put out for the center fielder. Or it's a double. So it can be a little skewed when you look at the defense, but that was my gut when I when I saw the four games we played. Uh, one last question for you, Link. We, we greatly appreciate the time. I, I know when you got to Notre Dame in 2019, it felt like that was right about when the uh, the transfer portal was was really blowing up in terms of becoming the, the major thing it's, it's become. And obviously that was something you used very – strategically in your time at, at Notre Dame. I mean, how uh, how important is that right off the bat, arriving at a new place like this? And, I mean, not to dog Notre Dame, but how much more of an asset can that be at a place like uh, like a Florida State? Oh, it's huge. You know, at Notre Dame, we essentially could take a grad transfer, but when these guys are trying to apply to graduate school at the University of Notre Dame, that has to be done so early that some of them are – right in the middle of their season when they're trying to do it. Obviously, the academic demand on admission to Notre Dame is very, very rigorous. Um, For us to take an undergrad transfer at Notre Dame was essentially impossible. It's almost impossible. Like the transferring of credits from one school into Notre Dame, it was very, very difficult. Uh, we did it with two four two four transfers that were at TCU and Tennessee, and we were able to help them uh, find the right classes at a community college and then add some classes in the summer so they could barely, barely sneak in here as a true undergrad transfer. But that was the number of times we were able to pull that off was that's just so rare. So at Florida State, the transferring of undergrad and the grad transfer, it's huge. And, you know, we've gotten to West Virginia. There was a catcher that was in the in the portal, and he's going to help. Uh, and we have some other things that are on the verge of really helping. And I was talking to a coach in the SEC yesterday, and the feeling of this is almost one year at a time right now like we're talking to 24 high school graduates and 25s and 26s and really probably the most 
urgent thing is who can step in in two months and be on your campus and help you. So, so what we used to do recruiting wise years ago, and you're looking at the sophomores and juniors right now, you're looking at, can this college entering junior get in here for a year before he's drafted and help us? And that's, that's the game we're all playing right now. And it's really, really different than it was five, six, seven, ten years ago. Link, we, uh, we know all that's been on your plate in your first week and a half, two weeks on the job. We, uh, we greatly appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to us. We will uh, definitely have to have you back on closer to the season. We can actually talk about some baseball stuff. Well, sounds good. Carter, Kurt, thank you guys. Appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Link.